Welcome everybody to another episode of the Nissan Nerd Podcast. Um, this is Miles Hall. With me, as always, is my co-host Mike D. Um, and we've got a great episode here for you. Back from the holiday um, uh, time off, um, new first episode of 2024. Uh, Mike, tell them what they won. All right, guys. Uh, on this episode, uh, we're going to welcome 2024 with two popular JDM Nissans that are now eligible for importation in the U.S. Also, we learned that the company responsible for the Slim Jim, they're Nissan fans. <laughs> and then also, uh, as part of our back alley chat, uh, we're going to take a look at uh, a few Nissans that were displayed recently at the Tokyo Auto Salon in Japan. So, Again, this is the Nissan Nerd Podcast. Stick with us. Let's do it. Man. Did you notice? What? The sound volume being all over the place? What? Was it all over the place? Or was it before it was <clears throat> blow out your eardrums? Now it's a little bit. Now more... you dropped it down to normal receptive decibels. Yeah. It's fine. Do you think it's too so low now? We, it's funny on the backside, we don't talk a lot about how our meetings between Mike and our um, our forever intern, Ion Go, but we, uh, we talk about like volumes. What do we need to change? What systems do we need to upgrade? And so we've made a few adjustments on the show we'll see if you can pick them out as we continue out through the show mm-hmm. um we've done a few upgrades and then we've um done some modifications hopefully for the better uh if uh if they're not to your liking make sure to give us um aggressive feedback and <laughs> uh and let us know that you do not like that um if you do enjoy them give us soft feedback um, yeah, on yeah. the enjoyable enjoyable Absolutely. enjoyable feedback uh good feedback enjoyable Bad feedback, aggressive. It just it's got to be. We need it at eleven the whole time. So. We need your inner keyboard warrior. Just get hostile. You know, maybe threaten. Well, that's how you achieve things, right? You get, you get more with anger. bitter than honey. Right? Go that's full weird. Karen on it. I mean, go crazy. <laughs> All right. We take breaks from time to time, but this was our. We're shutting it down for the end of the year. We're gonna come back. I mean, we're coming up a, almost a three-week break period, right? Actually, it's more like four or five, man. We had a full month off. Uh, you know, our last episode was before Christmas, and then now um, I was wondering. I want to say so like, relaxed. Yeah, it's been it's been good though. It was definitely needed. Uh, we it's given us time to kind of make those improvements that you're talking about. Small, minor, but improvements nonetheless. You know, um, I'm actually excited, man, because you know when you don't do one after a while, after as long as we've been doing them on routine every two weeks, give or take. It's like when you don't do them after a while, you know, you get to miss them a little bit, man. So I'm actually really excited about this one, man. Okay. Well, like I said, uh, we should be uh, getting back on the saddle and uh, going through all our news, news, motorsports, and uh, whatever the hell we think is important in the, uh, the Datsun Nissan Infinity world. So we'll continue on. But uh, for catch-up, um, during that time period, you know, I honestly just kind of worked on my uh, Datsun 620 project. I'm, for those that don't know, I have a Datsun 620 that I am literally torn down, starting back up. But I'm actually, I added in a, um, a, a, a 300ZX V6 
a VG30DE for those that know the code. So I actually took that engine and that transmission platform and put them into my Datsun 620. And for those that don't know, it's not intended to fit. So therefore, I'm having to fabricate everything. And, you know, anytime you're a trailblazer and things, it always seems to take its sweet time. But I've been wanting to do this for a really long time. And uh, I got really far. Um, actually, I got my engine installed, got the cab on. I'm starting to cut away and fabricate and mock everything that I need to do right now. Um, getting a lot of insight from a few other people that have done similar type of scenarios. So I'm pretty happy with it. Um, I think it's Calsonic Truck Build on Facebook if you want to go yeah. and check it out. Basically, I'm doing like a Calsonic library at this time from what I gather. so And it's an entire Facebook page dedicated to just this build. Is that right? Yeah. Um, you know, people think that I made it for the public to kind of see and like and poke fun at or like give me suggestions. But the reality is I forget things a lot. So it's really more for me. So I can be like, forum. what the hell did I do with that? How did this go together? And it's a perfect opportunity for you to always go back and check your work. So a little uh, building tip if you're going to ever do anything really crazy. It's pretty clever. I mean, you get how with social media and trying to keep a history of things, it's, it's a little challenging. But when you make a page like that, it kind of just, again, it's collective. You look like you're a hero preserving guidance for the future. But the reality is you're just doing it for completely selfish reasons. Because <laughs> we're going senile. Because senility is kicking in and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I did do that. You show your grandkids. Look at your grandfather did, you know. Yeah, ago. Grandpa, sure you did. Sure you did, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you, I haven't been the only one in my garage turning wrenches. You also, you picked up a 370 for those that didn't know, mm -hmm. um, probably towards the end of the year, and then you bought it, and it turned out to be a jalopy. Just kidding. It actually turned out to be a great car, but you wanted to go ahead and um, start doing all your hot boy stuff. So sure. go on your hot boy madness. Okay, so yeah, one of the things I did notice when I picked up this 370 though is that one of the one of the front struts, it was essentially blown, man. When you hit these bad roads, you could just feel this this uh, chatter up in front, and then the steering wheel at times would just have that shakiness to it. And I'm it was so you the you blew out you blew out your your you blew out your as is, I was able to maybe negotiate a little bit on the deal because of it, but I knew it was going to be one of the first things I did in this car to bring it back up to where it needs to be. So uh, what I did is I went ahead and, and got um, all four corners, uh, shocks and struts. Um, as I was doing the job though, I went ahead, I had had such a hard time with uh, uh, particular, you know, one of, the, one of the mounting hardware for the strut. Uh, and so I put something out on social media and I had a good friend of ours uh, out in Austin, our buddy Rodell with SPL Arts, he says, hey, um, do you have shocks and struts uh, lined up? I was like, I kind of do, but talk to me. What do you got? What's going on? He goes, I have essentially a pristine set of Nismo 370Z shocks and struts. Um, if you if you want a man, come pick them up. And I was like, man, that sounds pretty damn tempting. So yeah, next day, I'm up in Austin picking them up. Uh, got them installed. Car rides so much better. I... Um, I'm so happy and I'm so appreciative. So I want to give Rodell a shout out and say thank you. By the way, I uh, got uh, some shirts. Uh, I got some for you as well. Um, not only was he cleaning out his garage, he was cleaning out his uh, shirt collection. That's right. Yeah, I saw, I saw <laughs> Rodell. You know, what's funny is uh, Rodell was actually, for, for those that live in the Austin area and you ever see Rodell, 
Um, the reason why he has wrinkles on his face is because he was the actual club president for the Austin Z club for a few years. And uh, for those that don't respect or don't, um, don't pay homage to your local Z car president or your local car club president do that because guess what? Those guys took years off their lives by doing that job. And, uh, yes, uh, one of the benefits of being an ex car Z an ex car club president is, uh, is having loads of extra shirts. So, uh, yeah, I remember when I talked to him, he's like, dude, I got tons of this stuff. I was like, come on, pass it this you way, baby. It. I always, I always keep my shirts. So by the way, I did have a few pictures I could share with you though. This was honestly my first time doing shocks and struts on a, uh, you put them in backwards. No, no, no. <laughs> call the timing off. I just got the pictures that I could though, but uh, oh, okay. honestly, man, it was a fairly straightforward job aside from, uh, one of these bolts kind of, uh, giving me problems. I, I put a torch to it and problem solved. But aside from that, I didn't know that the Nismo edition shocks and springs on red. I'm like, okay, kind of cool. Uh, so had that again, pretty straightforward. It took about five hours. I think. Yeah, they Half make uh, everything super easy for the new Z guys. You know, uh, for the Z33 and Z34 guys, comparatively to like the old guys, mm-hmm. everything's so much easier. Well, that's the isn't that the beauty of people just learning advancing themselves nobody's repacking bearings anymore oh yeah you don't have you don't have to tear apart the interior to reach the bolts on the upper (laughs) you don't have to it's so awesome i'm like so appreciative of that man so uh one more shout out though i do want to give out a shout out miles me and you were able to hang out just for a little bit after the new year oh yeah um you kind of posted a kind of hey let's hang out with the z guys invitation and Mm. me you and about five others we had a, a nice little run around uh, downtown, and here's a picture of us. Actually, for those you know who go to San Antonio, the tower, uh, highest point of town. We had actually had a nice little uh, lounge up there, so we got together, had a had a drink up there. It was really nice. I hadn't been able to do that with friends. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, it was nice that we could get together with some of the local uh, Z guys and just uh, have that event. And um, it was a really cold night out. So cold. I'm really thankful that for the people that actually showed up and uh, we had a good time. We'll have to do another one of those again, one of these nights, maybe do one in Austin or Dallas or something. So I'm down. I'm down. Great night, man. Appreciate I'm glad you put that together. Yeah, I might put another one of those together. We'll see how it goes. So, yeah. but uh, let's go ahead and acknowledge the folks that are on with us. It looks like, uh, Ion's on with us tonight. Uh, right now, we'll wait for everybody else to trickle into the bar, as it were, <laughs> as we move forward. But again, thanks for everyone for being here. Anything that you would like to tell us, uh, please just post it up here in the comment section uh, below. And of course, we'll um, talk about that here as the show goes on. Uh, we see you, and of course, we're going to share all those comments um, that we have throughout the show. Keep them coming. Well, yeah. And well, Mike, you have a uh, comp pie tonight. Yes, we do. Uh, Guys, let's go ahead and kick off the episode in typical fashion. First time of 2024. If you've got something in front of you, join us. Uh, Of course, we'd like to give a salute. Uh, For those in the Nissan family whom we wish good health, we hope you're in great health, guys. And for those who may have lost, let us be reminded of them often. Let's go ahead and say, uh, Confi, guys. Join us. Very important first one of the year. 
All right. So uh, let's go ahead and kick it off with going into Nissan news. This is where we each scour the internet and share an article that we like regarding Nissan, Dots, or Infinity articles. Typically, these are sourced from our uh, official newsroom, the official newsrooms of Nissan, and pretty much from any other media outlet um, that we want to go ahead and utilize. Um, and it's our choice. So live with it. Too bad. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Um, first up here, he goes, uh, we, you mentioned it earlier, Mike, but you talked about, um, highly coveted Nissans that -hmm. are now above the line to, for importation. You want to talk about that? We do. I do. Uh, so, uh, as we kick off 2024, uh, for those who are familiar with the U S importation rule, which is, it's only until cars pass the 25 year mark of production that they are, that the importation rules of those cars are a little bit more relaxed in the U.S. So you start to see them trickle in uh, into the U.S. Popular cars that we didn't get here, or if you just want a right-handed version of said car, whatever it is, you can get them typically after the 25 years after after its production. So that being said, uh, we want to welcome the R34 Skyline and the S15 Silvia, otherwise known as the Q4 ESX here, uh, into that hole, we're going to see, uh, I would say, the coming months and years, more and more of these R34s, uh, Skylines, and uh, Sylvia's coming in. And so uh, I thought it was a very exciting thing. Honestly, for me, for me personally, though, these two cars are essentially two of my favorites. Now, I know they're going to be, let's just talk about it, though. They're going to be expensive. Uh they're just going to be expensive then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so thedrive.com uh, has two really good articles, which we're sharing here tonight, though. The first one that you're looking at, at right now is the R34 Skyline. The uh, Let's just talk about the R32 Skyline, even, where a lot of this importation began. Uh, pricing was kind of unknown. We're kind of uh, not knowing where we were. Fast forward 10 years now. The R34 Skyline, the markets on Skylines are, it's pretty much set. So what we're what is being predicted about a GTR edition Skyline is close to $200,000 for a, mis- a mint pristine example of, of a GTR Skyline, R34. It's six digits for short. Uh, well over $100,000. They're saying tipping two hundred. <laughs> It was always uh, going to be, you know, it's, if anything, the importation is just going to be pushing that further. You know, that, that's, that all it is, is going to raise that. It's going to, I mean, it, there's nothing ever that's going to be, now's a good time to buy your R34. It's just, it's going to be like this. It's going to be. It's the price of gold. It's I just going to, it's <laughs> never going to dip. I don't see it dipping anytime soon, especially these men. And, you know, up until now, if you were in the U.S. and you see an R34 Skyline on public roads, it's one of two exceptions that you are most common. One was stolen. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it had to get here at some point first, right? And, and of course, we, for those who know, there was a time when you, you might call the MotorX cars. There was a time where there was a company called MotorX that had... Um, we're able to facilitate and work with the government with having a few of these come in 
what would you say early 2000s uh, uh, yeah I don't, I don't know which models they were specifically doing right I... it, it was primarily r32 33 sub 34s uh that that whole story was short-lived uh so you did have some uh, other versions were typically been uh versions which the government essentially allowed um they have to display a specific technological advancement it's nuts essentially they have to be a museum piece to even be allowed in the u.s up until now so uh now it's sort of like hey well they're here they're going to be expensive but um it should be okay i should mention though i looked at non-gtr skylines r34 honestly if you're okay with maybe an automatic naturally aspirated or something like that, just not the GTR. I've seen some for as low as still thirty thousand dollars. Thirty thousand for a base skyline essentially. Yeah, that's so, still not bad. It's not too bad. Now, if you want something more affordable, let's get into the second car. That's the S15 240SX Sylvia uh, right-hand drive. To me, this was probably the most. Um, well, I guess maybe because it was sought after, though. It was in the styling. I do like the headlights. The taillights are interesting. Uh, I've always kind of had a, a fascination with them. You don't really even, you don't see them very often. Their production numbers, even in Japan, were pretty, pretty low. I think they said about 43,000 uh, examples between 99 and 02, I think, is which that's the, the build, the uh, number of years that they had built this car. So, um, these examples, from what I've seen, uh, have gone from the, they started the high teens. And if you want a really good example, you're looking at mid thirties. Um, that's to say there's going to be probably taxes on top, special fees. Uh, it depends on what kind of deal you can find, but, um, more affordable, but it's still going to be, um, pricey. It's not going to be cheap though. So uh, we'll see. These two cars, though, uh, there was another article which kind of made a really interesting statement, and I kind of agree with it, though, but the R34 Skyline and the S15 Sylvia, they kind of put the cap on what you might call the golden era of JDM Nissans, at least. Because anything past 1999 or 2002, really, uh, we, we got them here in the U.S. I mean, we, we got the 350Z, we had... Uh, other versions of cars but these two cars specifically we didn't get these in the states so uh i guess what, what we call the golden era in, in many ways uh of of the nissan sports cars so but uh, i'm very appreciative i'm glad these things here be on the road i can't wait to see them on the road uh it's going to take some time still it's slow trickling in but it's they're on the way so if you guys are interested there are a ton of importation companies that can make this happen for you just be prepared financially. Just don't make as much as your heart might want them. Just make the right decision. Yeah. I will say that, you know, it's funny, like my time in Japan, just, you know, when we were there, I saw more, I definitely saw a ridiculous amount of skyline R32s. R33 is a few, R34 is a few, but S15s was like the one thing that I didn't see a lot of when I was there. I saw one the entire time and I was looking for them. And this is like me, Daikoko Futu, like everything. I mean, we hit yeah. everywhere. And uh, I only saw freaking one, one S15 the entire time. I've seen one outside of captivity. That's outside of Japan as a joke. Yeah. Um, in the US, I mean, that was it. And that's all. I, I mean, there's, I, I don't know why. 
It did just seem extremely rare. So. No, I will say I've seen half an S15 because we know that the front end conversion. <laughs> I've seen a lot of clips back in the clips. day when you, when you <laughs> back in the day when you could buy clips. You know, you could buy, you know, Nissan. You could buy okay. clips back in the day, and it was extremely popular when people were buying them to do the uh, conversions. But somebody had to mess it up for everybody and decided to just weld two frame rails together, and the car fell apart on a. I think it was a California highway caused a massive accident. And then they said, you can no longer sell front clips because Americans are dumb and apparently welded frame to frame and the welds broke probably with some Harbor freight welder. And then <laughs> it separated on the highway. And then that was it. That's a true story. So really, uh, yeah. I believe, um, and Alan LaFrance, uh, chimed in here. He goes, uh, he goes, what dictates that testing? An uh, evaluation or display import limited in annual miles to something really low and other restrictions. A lot of information in there. I'm assuming those are uh, the vast majority, the vast criteria of what he's talking about, what kind of sets the pricing for that stuff. And he, he posted here in Japan, the spec R's are 30,000 uh, for anything worth owning. That's which... the, I think he's referring to the S15 Silvia as well. I mean, yeah, that's that high end on a on a s15 um oh, with importation everything out the door i wonder what that'll kind of run you nowadays and and honestly that's uh, not horrible it's not i mean compared to r34 yeah it's not horrible at all you buy five calm down don't do the math it'll just hurt your brain the cheapest ones are the variants uh, funny enough yeah the autex are easy to find for people okay with a decent na motor you know what's funny is I know a few people that are hiding their R32s and R33s. I'm not dropping any names here, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are all techs. Um, mm. You know, they're just kind of sitting on them because they're still waiting for their time period to kind of hit. Because yeah. I've walked into their garages and they're like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah. why is that here? And they're like, I was waiting for the time because I didn't want any problems. I was like, okay. Yeah. But that's true. Yeah. So. Well, before we move on, the question I have for you, though, is... If it meant being more affordable, would you be okay with driving a uh, one of these cars that were the nationally aspirated? Maybe not the top of the line. Like, how low w- are you willing to go? Like, in terms of price, in terms of very, very I don't know. It's about. I think I think you're thinking the wrong way. If you own this car, you're not how low am I willing to go? It's like how high is your is your ceiling that you're willing to go? And you know, the other thing too is like R32 is great great car but at the end of the day it's like they are prone to rust spots in a few areas you know strut towers and a few other spots and you're just going to have to deal with that and it's surprising that i never thought that there'd be as much support as there is for like the r32 sheet metal you can buy the strut tower replacements now whereas for a long time period you know that was it you were done you'd have to just fab your own and then go that route. It was just an impossible thing to get. But now there's guys making replacement sheet metal for stuff like that. I mean, few and far between, but it's out there. You know, there's a ridiculous amount of aftermarket part usage for a part availability for for that model. Because, I mean, I don't know. It's just, uh, now as far as to go back to your question, what I was always looking for, my ceiling was about 16000 for what I wanted. And I, I would, all I wanted was just an R32, non-GTR, non-four-door, 
mm -hmm. um, and non-drift missile, just kind of all pieced, just as stock as I could have it. And that's pretty much the way I was going to keep it. But the pricing kind of jumped on them. So they're probably sitting closer to what I want is about 26000 now. So, yeah. yeah that was, and that's why I kind of gave up on the dream. So <laughs> that was kind of the thing, too, because, yeah, think about it. The R32 was first allowed into the U.S. 10 years ago, 2014. Yeah. It's crazy to think it's been 10 years since the R32 has been allowed in the U.S. And I remember there being such an anticipation of the R32 because it was sort of the first, at least for our generation or uh, of, of people, to to want that R32, the first Skyline, uh, not the first Skyline, but it's well, the R31 was people weren't anyway. importing the R31 either, and that was a that was a bad ride. It still is a bad ride for those that don't know. And it then, wasn't mainstream popular. It wasn't mainstream. It kind of Godzilla. There's only one Godzilla. It was still Godzilla. Yeah, it, it yeah, totally. I mean, it was an amazing machine at it, but I don't know why. I guess for whatever reason, like those didn't, they didn't tra they didn't come over that. I, I I didn't see a lot of those importing. I guess maybe it's all about demand. I suppose the R thirty two is just kind of shot up at a certain point. But mm -hmm. for I mean, you would go to Japan at a certain time period, and you would see gray R thirty twos like in a line. Because they just pumped out a ridiculous <laughs> amount of those cars in that color, and then that was it. And so when you saw importing, if you paid attention, like I'm talking like early eBay, early early eBay, you would see those cars up for sale, or auctioneers would would have those for sale, mm -hmm. and then um, it was all the same, the same vehicles and same, and you didn't kind of know what you were getting. It was still, it was still very much a buyer's market, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, like. I would say post Fast and Furious, it started, even Fast and Furious, it really didn't launch that R32 up. That really didn't happen <clears throat> probably for about another four to five years. And I think once um, uh, Grant, um, was it the simulator? Oh my God, massive. Grand yeah, Grant Turismo came out. Mm -hmm. That's when the, the fame, I think, really rose. All the import DVDs, all the import magazines were pushing mm -hmm. it. And then they just started shooting up right shortly after that. I mean, that's about the time when the clips started ending and, and so forth. But um, Alan chiming in hard yes. here tonight. He goes, uh, R32 GTS T's used to be two to five thousand dollars all day, Adrian, which I would agree all day. That would be the version I grab. I'm too. Like, it gets. You're still in an ex, in an exclusive club if you have the R32 Skyline in general. Yeah, and uh, it it's funny that that's what I was hunting for back in the day, and you could buy them imported for like sixteen, seventeen thousand. Now it's closer to twenty two, twenty three, and sometimes you just buy like you're buying them, and sometimes it's an old car. It, it is what it is. We're talking about a car that's what thirty years now, met plus thirty five. Well, I mean thirty five plus ten, thirty five. And long, you know, I mean, maybe you're lucky if those engines saw servicing while they were in Japan. Maybe if you're lucky, and um, so it's all gambling. You know, you're buying a twenty two thousand dollar car with a bad busted engine, mm -hmm. but you might get lucky and you can buy cores and stuff from uh, uh, and and rebuild engines from vendors and, and uh, stuff. So, but anyway, I don't want to nerd out too much on it, but. Um, gotcha. Alan also checked in one last time. He goes, Retro wasn't in at that time. It took time for that iconic 80s look to go from old to nostalgic. I, I and yeah, the R31, R31 
people did not like the R31 um, when the we're talking like late nineties, early two thousands, yeah. people were not feeling that. Cause it yeah. was like, you know, like the first generation MR2 wasn't popular with the, with the tuner crowd yet. You know, people were just biting on civics and everything else at that time. And bubble era and, rounded. And, yeah. These yeah. The older ones are much the, more. The pop-up headlights was you like, and then all people didn't respect them until later on. And then, yeah, the R31 is, it's pretty baller. If you get into it, Z31s, you know, the, your first generation three, three and ZX, I mean, people were not biting on those cars for a really long time in popular mass popularity. Mm-hmm. It took a while, you know? So anyway, I think if you, if you find an R31, if you find like one of those super silhouette racer, uh, oh, big, sh- almost like you're not going to find a body. I mean, but if you did, man, when you yeah. see one, cause they weren't out there, the, the Paul Newman push ones, you know, okay. oh man, they did so good. They could. They look good. I mean, in, the, in that livery with even the red and the gold and the black. Oh, that's good. So, <laughs> anyway, all right. But yeah, on. we can nerd out on some stuff. But yeah, but uh, moving along here. So, um, in recent news, Slim Jim, uh, the meat preservative company, um, did suffer a bit of a loss. They actually, for those that don't know, owned. And made a Slim Jim Z, um, as you can see behind me. Um, it was adorned with Slim Jim logos, fire, and uh, sadly, no Macho Man references. But it did um, it did actually have a huge following um, on Instagram and things like that. So um, the vehicle ended up being stolen so it actually got stolen in california it was lost for a number of months maybe and then it was then recovered in chicago um chicago um police department recovered it they said surprisingly not much was taken um people just decided to take off the wrap and uh they were trying to take off the wrap and um that was how it was basically recovered as you can see behind me that was how it was recovered but this isn't the full story. Um, from this point, Slim Jim apparently got a ridiculous amount of hits and a bump in their online activity that they said, you know what? Uh, they were already ne- Nissan fans to begin with, but they said, you know what? There's something going on with making these Slim Jim cars. So they didn't know that they were going to get this vehicle back recovered. So they decided to say uh, they started to create a contest. Um, to come up with another Slim Jim replacement unit. Um, And they voted on actually a GTR. So Mm -hmm. the release date for the Slim Jim GTR was actually supposed to be yesterday, but it did not happen. They left our Slim Jim in the cold. So no Uh. new Slim Jim news because I would have had it for you. But (laughs) um, when it does come, maybe we'll throw up some Slim Jim GTR news which is a weird thing I'd never think I'd say. But, <laughs> but needless to say, um, both the, the Z was recovered in almost its full state with only minor uh, concerns. And uh, the good news is Slim Jim is actually going to be making a Slim Jim GTR. So that is your kind of takeaway. Um, now, as far as the name is concerned of what the Slim Jim GTR, because it's not actually going to be the name, Slim Jim um, is going to uh, host a contest. I don't think they've actually decided an award. Uh, they've awarded a name from uh, uh, the contestant, the submissions. 
but um, it's uh, supposedly going to be coming soon. So once the information drop, we'll uh, try to let you know um, <laughs> how that all worked out. But yeah, um, it was recovered, and then that was actually uh, uh, it was just kind of funny that it was just. Uh, I- I think it's crazy, man. I mean, the car is it's a brand new car. I mean, it was how a brand it was new. It was a brand new Z. Yeah, is beyond me. And but it was such a thing where I think what the way which Slim Jim was using social media at first it was like, hey, help us. But then it became somewhat of a marketing campaign where they're like, you know, not only help us, but like, uh, you know what, we're gonna go when it, it, they stayed with Nissan. Like that's cool too. Like. Someone inside Slim Jim is a Nissan fan at heart, and we got to figure out who this guy is. We got to talk to him. We got to figure out why these the Slim Jim Z or the TCR is not at events, even like that would be a cool thing. When how cool would it be to have Slim Jim sponsor a Nissan event? Like they got the car. I mean, what are they really spending? Like this. this well, I will say this though: the Slim Jim Z before it was taken was actually I showed up on a couple of um, wrestling events. Um, it showed up at, you know, at a couple of wrestling events, but it actually, um, had a little film debut in a, as a backdrop in a couple of, uh, in a couple of wrestling, uh, shows, I guess if that's what you want to call it, or the wrestling uh-huh. programs, yeah. um, before it was taken from that point is a lot of wrestlers were joking that they stole the Z, mm-hmm. um, as a joke, like, Hey, I stole it, you know, like uh, uh, different wrestlers were saying that. And uh, of course they had nothing, but it was just an ongoing like joke. So that kind of only added to a a little bit of the, uh, the raging fire of popularity with the slim Jim Z getting stolen. Now I, I'm curious if the GTR is stolen, if it's just one of these popular things for them to steal the slim Jim's car and just return it or whatever, but we'll see how it goes. But needless to say, macho man would be super happy that the uh, slim Jim Z was, uh, was recovered. Uh, yeah. I am uh I'm surprised that we haven't done a we haven't yet done a Macho Man impersonation on this one. Be like Ooh, no. <laughs> so, that's a, you know, I, if I wasn't <laughs> sick recovering from a flu like scenario, I would do the best Macho Man for you, but I'll do it on when we do the GTR, I promise you. Okay. So. Okay, I'm gonna hold you that one. You'll hold me to it. The GTR, Slim <laughs> GTR, we're going to do some, some Macho Man impersonation. All right. So we also got some uh, more news. We've got one more article to cover here for you. This one's going to be a little lengthy. Um, and we're going to nerd out a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit about EVs um, and either the declining state of EVs or the or the the rise from the rank, the rise from the grave EV story that we're going to load on for you right now. But... Mike's got the article. Tell us what we want, Mike. Let's go for it, man. So um, in the last, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is that in the last couple of months, I had seen a number of automotive articles talk about something. And then it, 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 I began to wonder uh, how this relates to Nissan. And I'll get into that in just a second, though. But um, I will share my screen. Here are a few snippets of those articles. Um, and it does pertain to EV. So... Uh, in this case, what we're seeing is that over the past few months, major automotive manufacturers, such as General Motors, Ford, Toyota, uh, they are moving back on their stance for for EV. And not only that, is that we're seeing essentially a shift back 
to hybrid technology, which is essentially half ICE engine and a half EV uh, modification. So you've got um, numerous pros and cons. It's not really about that though, but uh, what there's some that things that we're seeing here is that uh, GM is no longer providing uh, target dates for production of EV. We're, saying, we're showing that Ford uh, is actually delaying about 12 billion dollars in ev spending uh and then also we've seen through other manufacturers is that production of ev cars uh have been reduced uh by as much as half of what its current production is so i started to think to a, a couple of things one is uh you know why is this happening and then you know we know nissan here in the u.s for being solely uh their efforts being at EV. If you don't know this, Nissan does not, Nissan or Infiniti, they don't have hybrids. They haven't had a hybrid since 2018, and that was the Infiniti Q50 hybrid. That was discontinued in 2018. So for over the last five years, there is no hybrid in the Nissan lineup. So I look at this trend, and then I'm asking myself, like, how does how is this going to pertain to Nissan? Uh, are there going to be any changes? So, um, about these changes, uh, there is actually one article that is specifically talking about Nissan, by the way. Uh, Nissan is saying that there are two models that they're planning to produce that have been delayed by up to a year. This was out of their Mississippi plant. It was supposed to be a one uh, Nissan version uh, sedan and then one Infiniti sedan. And, and these production uh, dates have been pushed by as much as a year on average. The main thing is that there was a comment saying that the reason for all of these delays, um, it says here that Nissan has concerns about the profitability and market demand for EVs. The Japanese automaker cited the need to enhance product competitiveness for its latest delay. This was through a source. That I don't want to say it's official. It was sort of, uh, but they say one source, uh, not disclosed on this though. So again, I, I think what I'm seeing through all of this is that a lot of us manufacturers, a lot of the manufacturers are keeping with their promises. They told us years ago their plans for EV, and they followed through uh, to a majority of their promises. And what I think I'm seeing now is that a lot of these EVs are are on the dealership uh, lots, lot, way longer than they were expected. The the consumer adoption of EV. Uh, hasn't really been what it's been anticipated to be. Uh, I'll give you a few examples, though. They were saying that as of last year, um, the target EV supply was supposed to be 30 to 45 days. What they mean by that 30 to 45 days is number of days which that EV, that vehicle, is on the lot before it's sold. 30 to 45 days. Current, The current average for most EVs right now is about 113 days. Uh, for the moment, it arrives on the dealership lot to the that time that it's sold, uh, which is a huge, it, it's concerning. That's the concerning part. That's the reason behind the uh, concerns over market demand. So, um, yeah. and I mean, there's a lot that kind of plays into that, I would think. And, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, just to kind of touch on the point here, Mike, you know, the average pricing paid for EVs, and we're just talking standard EVs in the market, last year 
was close to $65,000, which was, you know, the average EV vehicle. I'm talking other manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Slowly, those prices fell throughout the year. I think the average pricing right now is just peaking over $50,000 for your standard EV model vehicle right now. And that was from last year. Yeah. To now. And, and that's that was kind of and the reason why I was thinking about mentioning this article is and you mentioning one of them is what are the barriers behind the delay of market adoption of EV? Why aren't they sell why aren't EV selling like they wanted to? You touched on one of them, which is price. That's a that's a that's a very, very high cost of entry into EV. Now previously the like the leaf wasn't very uh uh, expensive. In fact, there was also tax incentives that you would get because of the production. But we, as we've mentioned in most recent episodes, is that the the leaf is essentially being phased out, and the aria is being essentially put spotlight on the aria more. And then also, production of the leaf is, I think, leaving the U.S. So there's no longer a tax incentive for it. So cost is, I think. One of the barriers which is causing this uh, delay in market adoption, uh, consumer adoption, I guess, in this. Um, I think a lot of the other reasons why um, consumers aren't buying an EV yet is that the infrastructure is not exactly there yet. Um, it, it's on its way. It, it has, you know, there's always been a, a huge progressive thing, but um, you get range anxiety. The infrastructure, being able to ch- where to charge these things. Are there a number of uh, ports uh, around town? And then also the amount of time it takes to to charge um, to charge these cars. I think there's just a lot of growing pains that are scaring consumers. So, yeah, I mean, I think- you're you're looking at you're looking at the end user, but you also understand when a model is going to be dropped into a market, you have to also take into account what the market looks like when that vehicles being dropped into into the world that it's going to try to be consumed in. So we're dealing with massive amounts of inflation that's going on right now. The, the inflation, not just on that's, that's um, hurting the end consumer, but also the manufacturer, everything from pricing of um, materials that go into these EVs that are all specialized, the price has increased for those and they're having to drop their price points on these vehicles down to sell. So obviously that's a huge punch in the gut to profitability for these units. So it's like, why are we breaking our backs to make these units that, you know, the government's asking us to make it. These people, people said that they want them, but now all these people were in a completely different environment um, as far as um, what's happening with the world that they live in right now. That's one piece of it too. The other thing to consider is, and, and you've seen it if you've if you haven't been paying attention I mean there's people on the show that can also comment we've all driven past and this is where ours are but like you've driven past the local Costco and there's like six charging ports that are there and there's 20 cars for these for these limited number of charging ports mm-hmm. and you see that everywhere you know you go if you heaven forbid you live in a, an apartment complex and they have two charging stations there's 12 of you that have vehicles. Now you all have to like fight for getting there to the apartment first day. 
you know, to charge your damn car or you buy the at-home charging. Now it means you've got to buy the garage. You don't have a fixed home. That's the that's another problem with owning these these vehicles. You have to find you have to have a home base location to charge. It's just it's the only way that vehicle really kind of survives with usability as you as a consumer, you know, unless you're doing it at work and you're just, you got the hookup. <laughs> but let, let's, let's be real here. You know, at the end of the day, you know, um, not every, not a lot of people, especially people younger are owning homes right now. Homes are tougher to buy than they ever have been there. There's actually a, a housing, um, uh, there's there's a there's a huge sure. housing issue housing shortage right now so people are a lot of people are renting you know and sometimes mm-hmm. they don't let you do that at your renting facility sometimes you know the apartment complex will only do what they provide and that's it you just have to kind of live with that scenario that's one thing to also consider too as well i'm just talking about the end consumer but it's it the other thing too and this is a huge thing that in my mind, what I believe is these vehicles aren't old enough for people to have enough confidence in them to buy them secondhand as well. Yeah. And and I know we're talking about new purchases as well, but that's really extremely important when you're talking about new technology. When 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 people that maybe can't afford a fifty five or sixty thousand dollar EV vehicle, they're like, you know what? I'll pick one up. But I'm I'm looking at picking one up secondhand. Do people have enough trust in buying a I want to call it a three year old EV vehicle when they know mm-hmm. when they don't necessarily know what the cost of servicing on that vehicle is? Right yeah. now, if I give you a three year old gas powered vehicle, you can pretty much guess or speculate within good reason of how much that yeah. car is going to cost you for servicing for brakes oil changes um tires standard maintenance and the occasional weird x factor that kind of hits you Mm -hmm. with these vehicles i think a lot of people are so new to it that they keep thinking they hear those horror stories where i'm gonna have a twenty six thousand dollar battery that needs to be replaced i can't afford that and what have i gotten myself into now i'm in the poorhouse for a fifty thousand dollar vehicle for a vehicle that I can't use. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's why these concerns is, is, is a motivator behind other manufacturers resorting back to hybrid because I think hybrid technology has been around longer. I mean, I think the first Prius was, was 2000 as opposed to maybe an EV, which was 2010 on the current, but also hybrids are hybrid vehicles. They, they do have, they, they give you uh that range anxiety is not there. They're still very efficient. Um, you know, that's where the motor is charging the battery as opposed to putting something in, you know. So essentially you're just you're putting fuel in the generator. I, in I, and, and I, I think maybe we're just in a situation where it's too fast, too soon. And, and that's that like growing. And, and I think and, and, and I can tell you right now, and I know this if I know all these manufacturers, a lot of these guys have technology that's 10 years advanced right now that they got sitting on the shelves and they're barely rolling some of this stuff out, but it's a matter of like cost and getting it to market. But I mean, the other thing too, is we have these great pieces of technology that all these manufacturers have sitting on shelves, but 
I mean, everything that they're held back for restrictions, um, you know, the government puts their restrictions in place and then, or they give their incentives and they, they start steering things in a particular way. And the, the auto manufacturers are going fine. We'll go ahead and lean towards that. And now all of them are getting this big punch in the wallet that like, Hey, we did what we, what you asked us to do, but people just don't want to buy these things. And you know, the governments they'll give their, I mean, the incentives right now, from what I can recall, are pretty limited for buying EV. They were, I mean, and I'm not going to go into a particular right or left, but during a particular presidency, they seem to be at an all-time high. And another particular presidency, they seem to be at a particularly, not necessarily higher rate. And I, again, I could care less on political stance. I mostly care about um, what the market's doing, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into this equation. It's not just a simple, you know, and it's not, and right. It's, it's, there's many factors into it. It's no one company's fault or anything like that. I think how you said, I think inflate for things to become easier for EV adoption, it would be inflation needs to cool. Uh, I think pricing needs to lower, become lower, uh, and or you know, even for that fact, financing. That's another one. That's part of the inflation factor too. And I think consumers need to gain confidence. And I think uh, in EV for long terms, period, specifically as a pre-owned, because it's only until they see it that they'll actually begin to believe in it more and know that it's reliable. I would agree. And uh, the only way to solve that, I think, is time. You know, or, or a companies need to do a better job of making those success stories known as opposed to the, the nightmare stories. Yeah. Well. I mean, yeah, it's I, and Ion uh, just chimed in here. He says road tripping in an EV is hard. And I, he's using the word hard. I'm going to use a different word that starts with an S and ends with a K. But it definitely, <laughs> um, it stinks. And, uh, yeah. and that's me using a watered down version of that. Um, in, because the current recharging um, capabilities and, and, and I'll say it like this, you know, I, we're here in Texas, no surprise, but to make it across Texas is a pretty long trip. It's a big, massive state and our gas stations right now may have a charging station, but the charging time period that I'm sitting at that gas station is ridiculous. That's assuming I'm the first guy there. I get to that charging port, I plug in, yeah. Now it's just me and the weird cash register guy for two hours. And I'm going to tell you right now, gas stations in the United States, especially in Texas, are set up for three things. Get your gas, drop off your personal fluids, and then pick up your next round of fluids that are going into your body. And that's pretty much it. That's it. You're, you're in, you're out. Right? Yeah. But yeah. now it's like these gas stations aren't set up to... You, you have movie hang, theaters inside gas stations. You don't want to hang outside of a gas station for two hours. I'm just mm-hmm. going to say it right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yep. Yep. No, I agree. I think, and, and, and to kind of, um, I think a lot of these problems that we're seeing, will Nissan is actually tapped to solve a lot of them already. And I think one of the big solutions that we're going to see in this is Nissan's production of the solid state battery. We've talked about it before. There are so many benefits about it, including faster charge times, longer range, 
cheaper cost, it's more lightweight, but we have to wait uh, the the current prediction for production of Nissan's solid-state battery isn't until 2028. So we've got some time until we see some of those. Uh, but until then, we're still 100% with the current battery offering, which is the lithium-ion battery. But, yeah, it's yeah, crazy because is... like Tesla's rushing to market with these charging stations, and 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 they need to. I mean, they need mm-hmm. to be made available. Well, it's crazy if you think about it. They're making money selling these people a car. Mm-hmm. Then they don't have any aftermarket competition because they're, you know, all these poor people that wreck their cars that need parts and servicing have to buy them straight from the manufacturer because no aftermarket vendors have come out with anything just yet because you're, you're, you're a slave to whatever the damn price is going to be at the dealership, which I can tell you right now, mm-hmm. it's pretty damn astounding as a person that pays those bills and reviews those bills all day. Yeah. And then you're paying a charging station that's owned by Tesla. That's that money's going back in their pocket. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's insane how yeah. you win, you win three times, brother. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. Like, I don't know yeah. to me, and it's just like I li- I like to feel like I purchase something I can have pride in it, but I don't mm-hmm. want to feel like I'm a slave to it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It does make sense. I think a lot of these problems we're going to see uh, solved, and or whatever anxiety we have about them, they're going to be um, calmed over time. But it is going to take time. I think the problems, the the types of problems we're having. They're not new. I mean, uh, actually, Alan made a really good point, too, here. He said that early gas vehicles had the same problems for the first few decades before it got better in terms of even highway system. That's how, yeah. that's how long you know it's You know, it's funny. You want to know what the number one serviceable, most serviced item on the Ford Model T was? The rims. Because they would bend up all the time. They would. They would, they would break up. Yeah. That was yeah. it. So they constantly had to buy. Apparently, there was like a huge like um, like uh, people wanted the tires, you know, for a while. So there was like it led to like people, um, other companies that were making rims yeah. for the Ford Model T for a while. Yeah. That is actually part of our uh, other podcast, the Ford Fanatic podcast. That is on the Thursday or Wednesday. Goodwill if aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more question before I move on, though, Miles. There you go. In terms of Nissan, though, again, we know that they are committed to EV. There, I don't think there's no changing that. However, do you think that Nissan will dip back into hybrid territory in addition to EV? I don't, I don't see why they would. I mean, I can't see them. For them to take a step back and step into hybrid, mm-hmm. it's extremely cost-effective comparatively to other companies who are having to do that step mm-hmm. forward. I mean, if you think about it, they would just have to come out with another model, rebadge it, in my mind, yeah. you know, yeah. put out another variation of the Leaf, same engine, same everything, just yeah. like we did with the Z, I hate to say it, yeah. and then just rebadge that sucker and then just make it available for the market. And if they sell, great, sell them, sell them to you can't sell them anymore mm-hmm. and then wait for the wait for the market to catch up. I really think that the EVs, it's it's not. It's not if it's going to ever happen. It's going to be an eventuality. It's just mm-hmm. trying to measure out the the uh, what the the feel of the pull is for when that's going to drop. Yeah. So, I'm just and I, good point, good point. Um, I should mention though too that 
Nissan and hybrids are still not strangers. It's only in the U.S. that we don't see hybrids. There are other countries with Nissan hybrids, but uh, again, I think a lot of these. I do. I just want to clarify. Yeah, they have to meet. They have to meet measurements for every country that they sell in. And, so. and that's sort of why EVs exist, because you know there were government mandates that either came up or the company was trying to be proactive to satisfy cultural you know, par- paradigm shifts. You know, and they're actually putting their money where their mouth is, and then they can't sell. Like, what is going on? So it's, yeah, and, and it's nothing to their fault. I mean, they make a they've made great product. It's not a product concern. Yeah. Their, their products are quality, and they're they're killing it in that regard. But what the issue is, it's like people just aren't freaking buying the car. They gotta buy it. It's it's up to us now. It's it's, it's the market. It's not yeah. them. Anything that they're doing with it. So if anything, they're challenging with one of the better EVs that are going to be on the market that they're bringing to market right now. So, um, Alan had one more piece. It goes, Nissan has to do EV or hybrid to offset the fleet emissions for CAF, uh, with the leaf going away. Yeah. That was, so, uh, yes. With it, it's true. And that's what, so we know that and that's why we were saying like, they've got to come up with something or, um, reskin, a uh, a leaf in some capacity, so in some way, that's that's a possibility. I think I think if there are any changes, it's I think they're still gonna have to wait it out. They're, I think they're still waiting it out. Things are be a little bit stickier. It's definitely stormy weather season. right now. So, but uh, yeah, sure. uh, that wraps up our news segment. I know that uh, motorsports is typically we'll be yeah. next. We've got. We've got a, a few, uh, you know, again, it, it is the beginning of 2024, yet we do have uh, some some news uh, motorsports results for you guys. And so, of course, this is where we look into Nissan's current motorsports portfolio, race entries, teams they support, and uh, in some of our cases that you'll see here, uh, grassroots, grassroots Nissan racing efforts that we personally like to cover. And so that's what we're going to go ahead and do. Uh, the first one, Miles, you have, that is Nissan Challenge Series. Right? Yeah, um, so typically we cover the N- Nissan Challenge. This is, uh, um, I'm going to give you some stats here for 2023. Uh, the series just ended um, right before we actually had uh, finished up our last episode for 2023. So we didn't get an opportunity to report on the last round uh, for the the Nissan Challenge Series. But we're going to go ahead and give those results now. Um, and then, of course, um, we've got some additional news that's coming out. So the 2023 season standing for the Nissan Challenge um, had their last race, which was round eight on December 16th. That was at Button Willow Raceway. And, of course, they do a, a four-class system. I'm going to go ahead and just run through uh, some, of the, uh, some of the results from that. Um, you see here... We had Charles Parks was in first uh, for class one and second was uh, Michael D. Jalim. Oh my God. D. Gilney and a G37 coming in second. Looked like they were a little thin on uh, participants for that series. So it was only two participants for class one for class two. uh, That was going to be Ryan Hendricks in first place. Second place was Jordan Perez and uh, Yan Zhao um, in third place. Um, class three. Excuse me. I apologize. Uh, class three. Let's see here. We had 
Stephen Barker was in first place in his Z34. Second place, Adam Zia um, in his Z33. And third place, uh, we had Daniel Park in his Z34. And Z's dominate class three. Class four, uh, the final class, that was first place was Brian Abad in his B14 Centra. Nice. Uh, second place, we had Vaughn Navaska in his B13. And then in third place, a Sandy Isaac in an S30. Nice. Oh, nice. I, a lot of those names sound familiar. Uh, I think you've got a lot of... Uh, I think they're repetitive. Repetitive. Um, I, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, will say they had, a, they had a ridiculous amount of entries. Like, so class one, you know, last year had something like 18 entries, class two, 16, and class 13, 27 entries. Yeah. And class four, uh, 22 entries, yeah. 20, 23 if we count Edgar Furman. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's how, um, that was a lot of entries, you know, for that much activity for a Nissan Challenge series. And they're, uh, they're, it's only getting bigger. I mean, this event is, is getting bigger and it's uh, generating a lot of momentum and a popularity. So um, huge shout out to those guys for everything that they do for putting that get together and uh, keeping that or- organizing that event and setting it up for next year. Now um, I did want to comment here that um, let me see here that Edgar had chimed in with an update on the website. Um, mm-hmm. He said, uh, and Michael throw it up here in the background, the 2024 schedule. Um, and there's, he wanted to take two mentions here. There's two very special events locked in for next year. Um, not even counting Laguna Seca, which is actually a track they have set up for next year, which is awesome. That is awesome. So uh, once again, they'll be partnering with the R days for those that you are sleeping under a rock. That is the huge Nissan Skyline meet that it happens here in the States. That is going to be partnered with their event. Um, and they'll be doing our own private Nissan only event at Spring Mountain. Um, let's see here. Also with our days, 2024, we are partnering with the SR 20 West coast convention again and running our events together for round six at button willow. So that'll be right there. And you can see that on October 19th. So as a heads up, the second half of the season might change a bit. It's, it all is dependent on the completion of the second button willow track. We'll see if and when dates open up for it. But for now, this is the schedule that we've currently set into place. That's a good setup. I, I do like that. I, and I'm looking at the dates here, too, is that, you know, I I see somewhat of a summer break in between May and August, which uh, late August at that, too. So you get a good, good, good peak. You kind of stay out of the heat. I mean, you kind of get some more just as an enthusiast or a spectator, you kind of have a more enjoyable day uh with cooler weather uh also the cars probably less will fail at that point when you got less heat like that (laughs) yeah i uh will definitely i mean i will say one thing though that um some of the photos that came out of our days last year um and the nissan challenge they're great Uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to check those out i highly recommend those um because they had some great uh had some great coverage some great instagram footage um, and so if you aren't already friends with those guys, either through the Facebook 
Um, I, I would highly recommend jumping on that and then getting up to speed with that. Again, if you are in the California neck of the woods, you have really no excuse not to make this event or not to make any of these. Um, they're really putting on a hell of an event at this point. And it's super opening. It's super accommodating for anybody just walking out the street. They're very inviting. Uh, there's not a lot of ego that's there at this location. Everybody's just trying to run and run at the end of the day. There's people that are competitive more than others, but at the end of the day, everybody's trying to make each other faster and always and, and very open to handing out um, a lot of information that is going to help you get faster and help you get the times you're looking for. So I think that if you're looking to catch the track racing bug, the Nissan Challenge Series. Again, just go as a spectator. And again, with that welcoming vibe that they give you, it just don't be afraid to ask questions. They're going to get you in there. You're going to catch the bug. I think it's a very, very good place to start if you are curious about getting yeah, on Edgar track. Just jumped, Edgar just jumped on with us today, the man himself. And uh, Edgar, if there's anything that you want to say here in the comments or any dates um, as far as limitations for signing up or where people can sign up, go ahead and put that here in the comments and we'll make sure that people see that here in the next few minutes. But um, yeah, I mean, some of the photos that we saw from the R days was great. And it's such an amazing thing to be able to take the Nissan Challenge Series, the SR20 folks, um, and then of course the uh, the army folks and put those all together that's just nothing but win right there so it's i think again uh, an awesome series though i'm glad i was actually fortunate to catch maybe the last half of uh one of their challenges when they when they actually uh, partnered with zcon uh, this last summer um got to hang out and, and, and hang out with uh, john and uh, edgar just for a bit and but it was great to see uh the uh, the attendance, uh, the participation uh, of the event, like I said, it's it's a win-win, though, guys. It, it really is. It's a no-brainer. Alan LaFrance chimes in here says, I need to buy a black a black 178,000-mile 2.5-liter Altima and enter it into an unlimited class. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that, I mean, I was going through, um, you know, it's always fun for me when I'm going through all the classes and then looking at all the people that are kind of participating and entering. I mean, some of these are pretty awesome, like as far as the competitive level. Like I always get a, um, excited to see like the B13s, the B14s, because I just like seeing those cars run because I know that they're just going at 110% the entire time. <laughs> and then, of course, I like seeing like the G37s. And, um, you know, I like the I like the oddballs, the underdog ones. I like, uh, you yeah. know. So, well, and again, and it kind of comes back to me. Two things when I think about that, and you're right. When you, and this is just me though, but you know, when I've got a car that I know is essentially disposable, like it's just an affordable car. Like I think of like, again, when you talk about like Sentra's, you know, get an old Sentra Spet B and just have, ring that sucker out, have a lot of fun. It's an affordable car, it's a lot of fun. And I, I'm a strong believer in it's much more entertaining to see a slow car be driven fast than a fast car be driven slow. When you find the right driver, no matter what car it is, it's going to be wildly entertaining to see that person drive, and it's going to make your day. So, yes, just get out there, have some fun, 
and hopefully you've got the right car, the right mentality to just give it a hundred percent. Don't hold back. It's not only is it supposed to be fun and an experience, but to me, it's like it's a, um, it's a, it's a like a like a primal expression. Uh, be out on track, you know what I mean? Just get you're out there. Go primal on it. That's how you yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna call me out there. Yeah, okay. Really, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, Edgar chimed in here last on. He goes, "A new season is definitely gonna be a good one. We're waiting on a new track to open up, as well, and we're definitely looking to run the new track once it's available. So yeah, it's gonna be nothing but win. Um, but um, yeah." Um, that's everything for the, uh, the, the Nissan challenge. Of course, we'll keep you updated as we continue to move forward, um, into the next year. Again, round one is going to be February 24th. So you got some time to, uh, plan your entries. That'll be at, uh, the, uh, um, that, uh, excuse me, that'll be round one in February 24th. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're going to continue our, uh, coverage of the event and we'll give you all the stats and results as, uh, as it comes through. Exactly. All right, man. I've got the next one, which is the uh, essentially the the second and final uh, recap to give you guys for our motorsports update. And I'm referring to Nissan's Formula E team. It's January, and the Formula E series for this year, season ten, yeah. is is underway already. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you some notes here. So uh, round one happened just uh, five days ago, January thirteenth was the uh, first round of the Formula E season. This was actually happening at the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez circuit in Mexico City. It is a 1.63-mile track and 19 turns. I have a nice little screenshot here. This is actually very the same venue as the F1 track, but I think the, uh, the, the layout is different, though. I just kind of give you an idea of where this track is at. It's it's the one where you get to drive through the stadium as you're racing. It's a pretty cool setup, actually. Um, So uh, we do have our two drivers, which we will be rooting for for the entire season. Uh, That is, of course, Sasha Panestras. He is our second-year driver uh, and uh, essentially a fan favorite uh, for the Formula E team. We also have Oliver Rowland. That name should sound familiar, though, because he is a former Nissan Formula E driver making his way back to the team after a two-year gap, essentially. So uh, when it came to the the recap of the week, it was only one round. As we know, sometimes the Formula E races are doubleheaders. Uh, First round, not not that. It's just one race uh, with qualifying and practice and whatnot. Getting into qualifying, though, Sasha Fenestras... was actually uh, qualified P. Uh, sorry, he qualified ninth, uh, just shy, uh, one tenth of a second shy of being able to qualify into the duels segment of qualified. The qualifying format for Formula E is sort of new. It's not as, as traditional as uh, other racing series, though. But uh, he just made it outside in the duel segment, though. But he did begin the race in ninth position. Uh, moving into Oliver Rollin and his results in qualifying, he actually caught traffic uh, in his final qualifying run. And so for that reason, he was not able to get uh, the time that he was expected uh, to make. And for that reason, though, he did start the race 
in 20th position, essentially back of the grid uh, at that point, though. Moving on to the next day, though, that is uh, the the race. Um, Sasha Finestras, uh, at the beginning of the race, actually had a close call. As the lights went out, the car in front of him stalled. So he was very, very close to just completely destroying the front end. Luckily, he caught it, was able to avoid and uh, most of the race fairly uneventful. It was good. Uh, he, again, started in ninth. He did finish uh, in 12th position. Uh, Oliver Rowan, again, starting from near the back, he actually had gained the most positions of any driver uh, during the race. So the most overtakes was actually given to, uh, made by a Nissan driver. So again, starting in 20th place, finishing 11th. So he actually made it one position ahead of his teammate, which is a huge uh, show of progress for, for Oliver as a driver. Uh, so again, our two drivers uh, finishing the races, P11, P12. Both cars, unfortunately, are outside of the points, so there were no points to bring home to the team uh, this uh, past weekend. But there are a lot of uh, adjustments being made for uh, the next uh, rounds. And uh, of course, the next rounds we're talking about are rounds two and three happening January 26th and 27th. And it is actually happening at my favorite venue. Of course, we're talking about Diria, Saudi Arabia. Everybody's got a big case of Diria in uh, a week and a half. I just love Saudi Arabia. I think I know why. <laughs> but uh, looking forward to this though, Again, we're just getting started into the uh, the Formula E season. There is still very much a lot to be hopeful for, and so we will be following the teams uh, in the, uh, the upcoming podcast episodes here. So, so that is Formula E. Um, any questions? <laughs> <laughs> no questions. Let me see here. Um, let me see here. Collins. See here. No, no, no. Uh, you're good. Um, you know, like I said, it's a new racing series, so everything's going to be uh, slowly unfolding. It's crazy how the same names kind of just kind of keep coming around full circle and everything else. So, yeah. with Rowland, especially. So, it's kind of funny. It, it is. I mean, a lot of it's kind of like, um, well, we kind of see similar things. Like, any, I mean, I guess other than Formula E, the other race series that I watch is Formula One, which. You do see that quite often sometimes where drivers, they all stay in the same, you know, the same 20 drivers or essentially no changes. They're just changing seats in different teams every other year or so, you know. So a lot of the former Nissan drivers are actually racing for a lot of our competitors. They're still in the series, just having moved to different teams. So uh, it, it's a common thing. I think it's, it's fairly common. Well, very good. So um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, that pretty much wraps up our motorsports news for the day. Um, and we're going to go ahead and start stepping into our special segment here in just a few moments. Now, it's been a pretty crazy end of the year and, of course, the beginning of the year. For those that don't know, a lot happens during this time period as far as like motor shows, news that's happening from Nissan. But one of the biggest things that happened that I wanted to touch upon was actually the Tokyo Auto Salon. We actually just ended up just a few days ago uh, that was happening in Japan. 
and uh, I'll let Mike run the background here while we're doing that. So the Tokyo auto, (laughs) the Tokyo auto salon show is a just, it's a, it's equivalently like SEMA and for lack of a better word, um, it's the SEMA show for Japan. Now this is supposedly larger than uh, the SEMA show in that's here traditionally held here in Las Vegas. And um, would some would probably agree with that. Now, unfortunately uh, we don't have the numbers for this year's event, but from last year um, it does look like, like every year the show has increased in its numbers. Now this is of course held in Japan. Um, This show was started in 1983. Uh, The Tokyo auto salon is actually one of the, top motor shows globally for modified and tuned cars. Now, this is an open to the public um, event, which is probably has a lot to do with their numbers, which is a little bit different with SEMA. It's traditionally, you're going to be somebody in the scene or you're going to be a person of note, or you're going to be a person of marketing uh, or media substance to be able to go to SEMA. Now, um, again, in actually I got the numbers right here. Attendance in 2023 was 330,000 people. Um, and apparently this year was much larger. Um, this is actually supposedly one of the biggest shows that has happened with the, uh, with the Tokyo auto salon, um, to date. Now for you guys who would like to know more, uh, we're going to go ahead and post the link where you can check it out before. But what's funny is I usually watch this on like speed hunters when it drops. Cause I'm looking for like amazing photos and it's never done in like one or two parts. The show is so massive, just like SEMA. It's usually done between part four, five, six, and you can check out speed hunters and they'll have some great coverage of the event. Usually when me and Mike are checking out all the notes from this, we're usually kind of running through and trying to I spy the Nissans in it. So we're usually trying to hunt for um, wherever we're finding the, uh, the Nissans. And apparently this year was no shortage of the, uh, the new Z. So apparently the new Z just like years before was the car to see in all the booths. Um, I think companies like ready top secret um, and a few others actually had cars uh, craft sports were, or had cars to show off at their location. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have an opportunity, I would go through some of the speed hunters, um, there you go, excuse me, uh, the speed hunter links and check out some of the cars, as you can see here, I mean, just amazing vehicles, um, that are just modified to the, to another level. So I really saw a few that I, I really like, and I'm hoping it is here, uh, on the speed hunters site, which is, uh, what we're sharing right now though, but I one of the big uh, draws I saw was a body kit for the new Z, and it was on uh, from Liberty Walk. And uh. of course, now we know their kits, their body kits, even on previous cars, the GTR, for example, just being of this epic scale, just amazing quality. It's this a silhouette and exaggerated, you know, fender wells and. Uh, and, 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 and yeah. that's a good and oversized bender flares. Yeah, it, it's yeah. a thing. I mean, it really is. It's a style that I, you know, I, I like. I mean, I've I've come to like it over over the years. Uh, they've done a a new body kit for the Z. Um, I don't know if I hide it here uh, fast no. enough here. I think I have a new no. one. Actually. 
But, Edgar uh, actually chimed in here with a good, uh, with a good um, piece of information. He goes, um, you know, definitely more people this year. Um, with all the increased travel to Japan now that restrictions have lightened up. But yeah, that's that's actually a good point. I remember that. I saw that Varus one. That was nice. That was a thing too. And uh, I'm noticing so many different options of rear wing spoiler too. Did you oh this yeah. One? Look at this one here. It's a very subtle kind of ducktail sort of uh, flare uh, wing. Then you've got another one here. I think it was the Varus. It is. See how you have this very pronounced uh, the stanchions up top and then the bar, you know? Uh, it comes down to style, preference, and personal taste. For You know what's you know, crazy is, remember taste. back in the day when before Speed Hunters existed, we'd have to We'd have to buy the uh, the Uprev magazine, and we'd have to um, we'd have to open that book up, and then you would literally go and just see all the cars, all the modifications for your car, yeah. um, and then they would just show all the new models and the kits that were available for the market. Now nowadays, it's like it's all speed hunters and websites. That's like that's insane. I'll have to see what you got there. What a time to be alive, right? No, wait. What a time. <laughs> that's, a, that's the feel side one, that orange one. Yeah, that's no, been around no. for a minute. It still looks good. Yep. There was a lot of items that I saw that I could publicly list for you. The uh, advancements that they're making in terms of style. I have seen carbon fiber door handles for the new Z. That was pretty okay. cool. Makes sense. This is, this is the spoiler I'm talking to you about. Look how pronounced that ducktail duck spoiler. That yeah. duckbill. Uh, Ducktail, yeah. uh, spoiler. I mean, a lot of it's reminiscent. Of course, we know the new Z has that retro styling, and I'm thinking about the old, uh, you might even say early '80s Z with that very pronounced, very similar spoiler though. But you see this one, it just. You know what I like new? They they took the katana and they they blacked it out. Yeah. They kind of took it into the body line. I kind of like it. It's different. Yeah. Like they just made a larger roof line. And I see another one too, which is I, I see a more pronounced nose, like a G nose. Like a G nose. Yeah, so I can see that too as well. I see, and I think even Nissan has a G nose version coming up fairly soon, if not already. And I think we're going to see a lot more of those in the aftermarket because it is a good touch. And it looks very nice, uh, tasteful. Again, it has that historic kind of reference, which a lot of people like. Um, Hoods, or another one too, the type of venting on the hoods. Of course, you have carbon fiber as well and other types. Uh, uh, again, every aspect of styling and customization, uh, I think the new Z car was front and center with a majority of these mods because this is essentially the most uh, recent Nissan offering for aftermarket to get their hands on. And it's been enough time. It's been about, was it now, just over two years now since the new Z's have uh, kind of trickled out. And so it's been enough time for a lot of good companies to pump out a quality product. And uh, this was the great place to, uh, to to share that, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's kind of nuts that, uh, that Nissan has such a good branding at the event. I mean, it. You know, we were talking about this when the Z was coming out. It's it's almost like they made the Z available to a lot of these vendors early on to give them an opportunity to produce uh, parts for the market early on. So when they hit the um, they hit the auto show like this, it came hard, 
And I think they learned that from years past, you know, with the 350Z and the the 370Z. They're they're not dumb. They were super smart about it. And they knew it's a huge tuner car that was going to be available. I mean, it's, it's a staple of the tuner market. And for them to make it available as they, as much as they did to all these, all these manufacturers or these vendors, I should say, um, it's, it's good. It's a good thing. I think it's a pretty smart move. Yes, of course they, right. they were all scrambling to grab it too, so it is what it is. There was a lot of, uh, uh, I'm sure, a lot of, uh, I don't know what you say. This we know that a lot of the aftermarket was just clawing for this, though. But Nissan did a very cool thing because we do know examples where certain manufacturers were able to get their hands on the on the new Z before it was even released to dealers. And it might have been for a few hours, or you know, who knows how long. Yeah, I, I heard no that. To get that, that I heard on. with limited numbers of the vehicle, it was it was definitely given to a lot of um, vendors, if you will, for a certain time period. They're like, "Hey, you're going to have it for two weeks to get get your scanning guns out and start figuring out what you're going to do." And, yep. uh, yeah. Get your data and start running with it. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> There's two things I did see here too. Is that of course you, I do see I believe this looks sort of like uh, air to air uh, intercoolers, which is sort of like what we see with the GT4 car. We're seeing this conversion now. There. I'm curious to see what what performance is like for it. I think it would be comparable for sure. I was looking at, and this is just me doing my research for the show. I was doing research on the Tokyo Auto Salon just as, as in general. And they, one of the notes they did say was the one of the features of Tokyo Auto Salon is uh, the presence of what they call booth babes. And I was like, oh, yeah. And it's crazy. And I started looking at, as we're scrolling through this video, through these pictures, you're like, okay, that's one there. Okay, that's another one. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, that's kind of like Umbrella Girls used to be. It's I mean, funny. I if, you, if you go back and you what I mean, there was a thing. It was a, for a time period. There was import DVDs. And I have a pretty vast collection of those. Cause before I ever went to Japan, that's how I saw the Tokyo auto show. Cause all they ever really gave you was like car, 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 girl, car, 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 girl, car, <laughs> car, car, girl. Yeah. That you wasn't know? an accident. Yeah. A little kitty and a piece of cotton candy, car, 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 girl for, you know, that was it. And that was, it, that was the whole show. Like in a, it was just a whirlwind. And, uh, you know, they had these like, uh, booth babes and then garage Queens and, yeah, and it's like, and some of these girls, like, they get fame just like the import world. We we had a run of those where we had, um, you know, uh, tuner girls that were in magazines that, you know, became models that became partially famous, you know? So, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's definitely a thing. So. It is true. It's true, man. Yeah. But I would highly recommend going and checking out the old DVDs if you were uh, into any of those things, so. And then the yeah, but Speed Hunter does a great job with uh with coverage on a lot of the uh, the events. So they do, they do. So, uh, I'm glad that um, you mentioned it. Yeah. So now Nissan, uh, we of course we went pretty heavy with the Z's here, but Nissan also dropped. Um, from what I can tell here, it looked like they had some uh, Aria news as well, right? They did, they did. So what I've learned here is that not only is the Tokyo Auto Salon an opportunity for the aftermarket. Uh, debut and sharing of new product, but it is often a site where automotive manufacturers will reveal. It's a perfect opportunity to reveal new product line. 
So actually, it's pretty big for Nissan. Um, the Nissan uh, actually had a press conference at the convention center, which the Tokyo Auto Salon is held. And it was about a 30-minute presentation in which Nissan has revealed that uh, the Aria EV crossover is getting the Nismo treatment. This is the first time that an EV under the Nissan catalog is getting the uh, the Nismo treatment here. So a lot of good information, and I'll share a few in a minute, uh, just a few high points, though. Uh, in terms of power, we're looking at about a 10% increase in power output. That's roughly about 40 horses uh, through the wheel, I, I believe. Um, the Nismo Aria is actually uh, going to be all-wheel drive powered, and it's powered by Nissan's E-Force technology, which you see that on a lot of the, uh, the premium versions as well, though. But it is it does have refined tuning, and it's also it's got uh, retuned chassis dynamics. So a lot of things having to do with the tune of the car, which essentially is a signature of what Nismo is. Um, a lot of other signatures that you will see in the Nismo Aria is, of course, Nismo styling when it comes to... Uh, uh, aerodynamics, you've got, uh, of course, you see the color that you see here. Uh, you see the same scheme on the Nismo Z, Nismo GTR this year. And then also you've got the interior treatment. You've got some pretty choice looking uh, seats for one. And then you've also got the, the red highlights being a common theme inside. So inside, I don't know if there's very many pictures in this particular article, though, but uh, there you go. That's a nice picture. Uh, some nice seating. Um, you've got some nice styling. Um, Nissan is promoting this as being, of course, the performance version of the Aria. Uh, having the, these Nismo signatures, but still being a, uh, a, luxury, a luxury vehicle, uh, yeah, EV. Um, a new feature. Again, this is the first time that Nissan and Nismo have offered this. Uh, this is really the first time they could have ever offered it, which is with the Nismo option, uh, there's an option for an added sound uh, when you drive this particular vehicle. And they're saying that the sound is evocative of Formula E racing. So if you ever watch anything on YouTube or in the, and you see those uh, Formula E races, you hear that wind up, that, that winding up noise and that's sort of indicative of what a performance ev sounds like you're going to get a similar noise with the nismo aria ev so um that's sort of innovative uh, a first for for uh, this vehicle uh, and for nismo i will say though there is one thing that is confusing to me and According to what I've read, there are two variations of the Nismo Aria EV. Two variations. Uh, they're calling this the B6 version and the B9 version. Now, each of them have their own horsepower and their own torque ratings, uh, different size batteries. But this, I don't know about you, Miles, but this is the first time I've seen two variations of EV. It's always, it's always been just Nismo. Just you know it when you see it. There's no compromise or no no change, but now there's for the EV versions of Nismo. There's two different subsets of Nismo, uh, so it's a first. I'm I'm still sh struggling to, to to understand it. 
Um, again, I do see the difference in power. I mean, you are getting, again, close to 40 horses over what you might get out of a base uh, or premium uh, Aria. But um, it, it's still something fairly new. Uh, have you had a chance to take a look at this and make it for yourself? Um, I like the styling cues. I mean, it, it's definitely updated. Um, you know me, I always like the red accents on some of the Nismo stuff. And, um, you know, I like the, the rocker and the styling and everything with the arrow. But, you know, I, I always kind of have to see it in person. Um, but I will say that I like the detail. Um, you know, it, it seems like that's like a trend that's kind of moving forward. So with uh, some of the Nismo stuff. So. I know me in the past, me and you have chatted about there have been certain Nissan edition of vehicles, Nismo or not, or just special edition. This is called a special edition vehicles where, it, it, especially maybe in the early 2000s, where there, all it was was a few extra decals as opposed to actual performance difference. Um, any thoughts on that? I mean, I think... I think in terms of power, I mean, if you're getting an extra 40 horses, as opposed to any other, let's just say the Z, the Nismo Z, you, you got, actually, I want to say less than 40 horses with the new Z. So you're actually seeing a, a pretty good bump in power, though. Um, I think it's a pretty pretty good jump, though, honestly. Um, I do have a uh, last bit of information on this, though. They're saying that the schedule... Uh, for the launch of this vehicle in Japan will be this spring and that uh, the price has not yet been announced. Uh, neither has it been announced whether it will be available in the U.S. I have a pretty strong feeling that it will be, though. Um, again, no mention of price, though, but I could say that it's going to be in the high 60s. That's my prediction. When you look at the other offerings, the current offerings of the Aria, the most decked out version is about 62,000. So to get the Nismo, of course, it's got to be a little bit more than that. So I'm going to say, you know, upper 60s, my guess, though. Right. We'll see, though. Okay. That's the thing I got, buddy. <laughs> well, I did want to give one shout out or um, a little. You know, I try to give you guys a little piece of uh, information of things you should be checking out. And as you know, I have a Motor Trend subscription and I absolutely love it. So I have a tendency to kind of put it on while I do my normal job um, all day long. And a little piece of um, Nissan uh, news kind of just showed up unexpectedly um, while I was... Uh, running through my, the newest uh, shows on uh, motor trend. And this one actually came out of a, uh, a new show that's new to motor trend called custom Carolina. And uh, it actually showed the safari rally of Z um, that was uh, featured by Nissan at the SEMA show um, being uh, put together. Now, again, this is part of my things you should be checking out. But if you don't already have a Motor Trend subscription, like Mike doesn't have for one yeah, weird reason, nah, I, I he just it. he's still planning to steal my subscription. We'll see how that goes. You haven't shared the codes but yet, bro. I'm I'm not gonna give you my codes. It's a dollar a month, homie. I was like for like ah. six, like six months, and then after that, it's like five dollars. I mean, come I'm on done. now. 
Man, I need a I need a pro bar. What's still in your neighbor's bar. newspaper? Just go <laughs> It's all right. Yeah. Are you done with that? All right. But getting back to the episode again, this is on uh, the latest episode of Custom Carolina, where they actually uh, Nissan comes to them to get their uh, get the Safari um, Z actually began here. Now I'm gonna post a couple photos here as I. Um, as I've saved them to my background and here you can see them starting to modify the vehicle again they are taking a new Z and modifying that vehicle to have a higher travel stance by about two inches um, custom suspension from KW and then of course they're putting in as much dedication to they can as the uh, to the original s30 uh, rally car that it deserves and they do really do a really good job with it i mean we talked about this before when the sema um, pictures of that car came out me and mike talked about that on a previous episode it took them a while to get this show out to um available uh, for the market um I, I wish it would have dropped a little bit closer to sema but needless to say um it, it dropped here within the last uh, few days and i still loved it um, here in the background, they're modifying the uh, tire, um, the tire holder placement, and the roll bar. They're getting them to work conjunctively mm -hmm. um, in the back area, and they did a really good job with piecing it all together. As you can see behind me, um, they added in the the lighting situation, and then of course uh, they went through and added um, little lights just above where the mirrors are. Um, as the spotlights, they did their own variation of that too as well. And then, of course, this vehicle uh, with Carl Phillips, who's the gentleman in the hat with Nissan uh, North America. And then, of course, Tommy Pike, who's the owner of Tommy Pike Customs, um, who's on the who's the host of the show, the Custom Carolina. Um, he's right here to my left. And again, I mean, they they took it from here. Um, your your stock Z and then we're able to modify this vehicle all the way through to what we see here today and they did such a great job with all the small details here's the vehicle running on the streets before they package it up and send it out to SEMA but again I just thought it was a cool little thing if you want to go back and check it out it's worth a, worth a good little uh, bit of time of your day to watch it and it's interesting to kind of see how what they put together so Nice, nice man. Yeah, I do that car making a splash at SEMA. Um, before it's it's tribute to uh, the, the S thirty, like you mentioned, though it's a nice touch. It, it's really cool. So, uh, so is it like a thirty minute show? Is it an hour? Uh, about like, thirty forty five minutes, roughly around there. From that's a good amount. What I remember, I mean, you don't get commercials, so and uh, so you just kind of run it. Once you have the subscription, you just. It feeds you all the new stuff for the week. And then, like I said, I thought it was pretty damn cool. And there's enough Nissan little tidbits that kind of drop in. Plus, you get a whole bunch of uh, old shows that you really like. If you want to watch the old uh, JDM Legends shows, they're on there, too, as well. They're not making mm -hmm. anything new. But you can go back and watch some of the old shows. There's a lot of Nissan stuff on there. Plus, there's, like weird other stuff like nopey nationals remember those when they used to be a thing they bought all the rights to those and like some of the red line tv stuff it's all on wow. there so if you're truly an old tuner nerd and you like watching some of the old stuff what was it like back in the day when people were still going to raves and nose piercings and stuff like that 
um, they do they do kind of coverage on those uh, those events like the tuner events as well if you know mm-hmm. how to dig and look for them. So I don't know, just some cool stuff that I saw. But getting back to this, Custom Carolinas, it's the newest episode. Again, you can check out how they put together the Safari Rally uh, Z. Awesome, dude. Good fight. Good fight. I do need to just cough up the five dollars. Yeah, cough up the five bucks. It's that simple, isn't it? Yeah, there's so much to it. I need to go ahead and do it, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And with that being said, that's going to be pretty much a wrap on the show here for today. This is our first episode back from 2024. Um, Again, uh, let me make sure we went through the comments. Um, You know, just wanted to give a shout out to everybody for being on with us tonight. I want to give a shout out for Alan from uh, with SPL uh, being on with us tonight. And yes, Alan, we do appreciate you getting your new Haas dual spindle tool. I, I saw, saw that post update. And I remember uh, Pharaoh was talking about him getting that new tool. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be it's sure it's going to cut down on all your production time. So you can have tons of available parts ready for your customers. Um, as always, we are a huge um, sponsor for SPL. Uh, we thank them for all their support and continued support for the show. And then, of course, uh, thanks to the Nissan Challenge for being on with us here tonight. And, of course, everybody else for being on with us here tonight as well. And, uh, Mike, that's about all I got. You got anything else? As far as those guys here, though, uh, of course, we are trying to grow our Instagram page and our YouTube page. If you can, uh, if you are on either of those social media channels, type in Nissan Nerd in the search bar. Find us. Press like press subscribe, get the notifications, because not only are we doing these shows live, which you'll find and watch at any time, but we also break up these episodes into essentially individual bite-sized, a little bit more bite-sized segments, so you can actually enjoy them, perhaps have a lunch break or in between shifts or something like that. So uh, I think it's a pretty good uh, bonus. So, and of course, we're really trying to grow these these two channels. So please, if you do... Um, just add, add us, and uh, we have more content uh, being planned for you guys. So, uh, of course, you can find us. If you want to find us, contact contact us. There is, of course, uh, uh, messaging through Instagram. Or if, you, if you're old-fashioned, you can go to info at nissanmerit.com. We, we check that page uh, fairly often here, that, that, that email. Yeah, that's everything I've got, man. How about you? <laughs> That's everything. Let's let these poor people go for the night. Um, but yeah, thanks for everybody being on with us here tonight. Again, uh, thank you. Next episode we'll be doing is uh, about two weeks. We're going to be pretty rhythmic with the uh, episodes as they drop from the future. Until then, as always, get in your garage and make something cool. And uh, just remember, if your car stops smoking, you're probably out of oil. I'm going to go ahead and just say it. So check your oil level, especially you for the 50D guys. Catch you, know, race. you know who you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. If you got it, Miles, uh, what do you got left? Anything? I got a little something. That's your night quill. Yeah. I got my night quill in here. My scissor. Okay. All right. Thanks again for being with us, guys. We'll go ahead and talk to you guys soon. Um, until then, get, get in your garage, guys. Let's have some fun. <laughs> go. <laughs>